handle the truth. Should we or should we not follow the advice of the galactically stupid? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. Clearly, don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. I am not in danger, Skyler. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot, and you think that of me? No. I am the one who knocks. to another episode of the Righteous Brick Podcast. I'm your host, J.L. Covan, and guess what? This is a bonus episode. See, I told you guys I might not be able to get to a bonus episode this week, and Cookie, by the way, is making noise out in the hallway because she's like, why are you locking me out? Well, that's because the second bedroom, the acoustics are better than the kitchen, which is echoey, so I noticed on this week's episode, which I put up a few days earlier, that it had a better sound quality, and I said, hey, it's almost like you shouldn't do podcasts in loud, echoey, large rooms. You should almost do it in a small room uh, that's quiet. So here we are, not afraid of improving the podcast. Um, So I said if I had time, I'd do it. And you know what? I'm making time. I am making time because uh, I like making things. And even more important than making things, I like feedback and feeling like people like what I'm doing. So This is a U.S. Open recap podcast because writing these out, even though I take great pride in my blogs, haven't written a blog in a while because those really do take like usually me like sitting down for like two hours and like writing and then editing and then just going, okay, this is worthy of 19 people reading. But um, I was going to do that this week when I went to uh, North Carolina because I would have a 12-hour train ride each way. Not afraid of being afraid of flying on small planes. That was like a Ron Reagan Jr. inception right there. Did you hear that? Not afraid of being afraid. And now I'd, we're in a whole new world. Chris, Ron Reagan Juniorisms directed and written by Christopher Nolan. Uh, <laughs> but um, so I figured on a long train ride, I'd get, read five hours, write for three hours. Um, surf with the internet for a couple hours. So, so I was definitely going to write a nice epic road recap uh, this coming weekend. But there is no road recap because North Carolina um, is inundated with COVID. So good job, purple states. Um, so the next road recap should be uh, after I go to Philadelphia in helium. Helium in Philadelphia. That's actually what it is. 
Did I just say when I go to Philadelphia and Helium, like the name of the club is Philadelphia and the city is Helium, Pennsylvania? No, I will be at Helium in Philadelphia on September 26th, uh, 2021. For any of my super slow fans, that's this year. Okay, you can, there's always somebody out there with a question uh, of epic stupidity. So I want to clear that up. We're talking 2021. I don't want anybody messaging me in November saying, Jail, when again was that 2022 date in Philly? Because then those are the things that make me want to kill myself. Uh, this is not actually a cry for help. I'm not going to kill myself. I just like threatening that. I'm real dramatic when it comes to things. But comment, it's always, it's never the troll that gets you. It's always the well-meaning fan who makes you feel like shit inadvertently. That really stings. But you got your episode already. So if you're listening to this and you missed the other episode, well, then you should be following or subscribing, however you want to refer to it, on Apple or Spotify, because you wouldn't be missing this. You wouldn't need my annoying social media updates if you were just following the podcast for free. This is, this is the inner workings of a comedy genius, folks. This, people would pay tens of dollars for these kinds of insights, and I'm giving them to you for free every week. So because I felt like I wanted to take a break from work and I felt like I had lots of good stories about the U.S. Open, um, here is the U.S. Open recap. So if you're just listening to this, the regular episode of the podcast was also a good one. It's also up. Uh, it's, I think I already forgot the title. It's something to do with like America keeps yelling Candyman in the mirror, just sort of saying how America is basically killing itself. So um, U.S. Open Sunday, we uh, mean that we, we cookie gets picked up by uh, the righteous girlfriend's uh, brother's family and uh, she gets to play with uh, Dolly, her her uh, canine cousin. And Dolly is a ball of energy. They play wonderfully together, and it's nice to see Cookie just having that good dog engagement. But uh, Dolly is a pup, is like a eleven month puppy, eleven month old puppy, and Cookie just doesn't have that energy. Cookie is like has a lot of energy for a six year old, but uh, not for not that puppy energy. So they they play constantly. Apparently, Cookie didn't eat for two days. Uh, she went on a hunger strike. I'm going hungry. That was a little temple of the dog for you. You weren't thinking you'd get a Chris Cornell, Eddie Vedder impression. Did you? And, and by the way, that's what that was. That was a hybrid. Cause I can impersonate neither of those men. Uh, but I just mushed them together into a generic. And I think it worked fine. Um, so, uh, Cookie is back, though, with me this morning, and she immediately ate her food because, uh, you know, the dark night, her watchful protector, me, was uh, was was there, and she immediately said, I feel comfortable eating again. Um, so that's the cookie portion of this, but let's go back to Sunday. So Sunday, Cookie gets dropped off, and then we head into the city where we were staying at the Hampton Inn on 43rd, just off of 2nd Avenue, which is only eight blocks from my... Uh, old apartment. So it felt fun kind of being a tourist in my own city. It, it, to be honest, I guess that would be the first time I've ever been a tourist in my home city. Um, so we get to the Hampton Inn. And uh, I will say this, I love the Hampton Inn chain. Um, some of my best experiences have been in Hampton Inns. 
And I'll tell you this. Uh, and no, that wasn't like a no. I didn't have sex with a prostitute when I was 16 at a Hampton Inn. That was a La Quinta Inn. Okay, folks, get it. Get get your JL oral history uh, fucking right. Okay, I expect you to know. No, that's that's all a joke. Um, but I remember I was going to Detroit to perform at Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle. I was featuring there in January of 2010. I believe it was January of 2010. It was 2010. That I can tell you. I know the year. But uh, you may not remember this, but we had gone through a little bit of an economic kerfuffle in 2009. And Detroit was one of those, you know, if, if, uh, if the economy was fucked, Detroit was the money shot. Okay? And so I go there, and uh, I'm getting paid $300 to feature for uh, five shows, which is, um, should be illegal. That should actually be an illegal rate to pay a comedian to feature. But I had just lost my job the prior year and was like, you know what? I got money in the bank. I, my, I'm a talented genius and uh, it's time. It's time for me to get on the road. And once these motherfuckers see me, um, yeah, I'll invest in myself for a couple of weeks. And once they see what I'm bringing, uh, it's on comedy world. Um, so I decided to take the gig, and what I do is I take the train to Detroit, which is a tidy 16 hours to Toledo, followed by an Amtrak bus to Detroit. I arrive in Detroit after taking a 345 train or a 330 train. I arrive p.m. Uh, I arrive in Detroit at 8 a.m. Now, obviously, hotels usually don't let you check in till the afternoon, but I got to my Hampton Inn, which was a I had to book myself because uh, in addition to, to paying $60 per feature show. Uh, features were not provided hotels. So I said, Oh, I found a Hampton Inn for $39 a night. Good job, Detroit. And, uh, so I go and it's nice. And I walk up probably looking like a heroin addict, uh, who had just, um, only slept 45 minutes on a tree, a train that smelled. Um, I'm going to be, I'm going to be very specific here. Comedy is specific. And these are facts that I'm about to, it smelled like obese black feet. Now, could I tell you what obese white feet smell like? No, because I've never been in a train, uh, with, uh, dozens of obese black bare feet exposed for several hours. So I walked into the Hampton Inn looking like a heroin addict with, um, my nasal cavities flooded with, um, African-American foot odors. And I said to them, I know I can't check in till two. I'm trying to method act here. I can't check in till two. I know. But, uh, I just came here from New York. You see, I have a reservation. Is there any way I can get into a room now? And they said, yes, we actually do have a clean room. So I went right to the breakfast, which is where I discovered the first hotel ever for me where I discovered the waffle iron, the make-your-own Belgian waffle. You have to understand, when you enter a hotel in Detroit with post-traumatic Blackfoot disorder, 45 minutes of sleep, questioning your life, because you've done the math, and between the 16-hour train ride and the 18-hour Greyhound bus ride back home that you've booked, and your $39 a night Hampton Inn, you have actually pulled off a miracle, which is doing a road gig that is paying you $60 a show and still coming away with, this is a fact that I will never forget, $13 profit. 
probably one of the five most proud accomplishments in my comedy life was making a profit out of that gig. Um, $13 is a horrible profit, but that is a gig that is designed to make you lose money so that you don't even do it so that he can hire local features that probably suck, but save him money. So I have, and now it became standard in every hotel, but this was my first experience. I go into this place hungry, tired, sad, and I make myself a Belgian waffle in the Hampton Inn breakfast lounge. And I have some orange juice and a Belgian waffle. And then I go up to my room, which they were nice enough to let me into. And I slept like four hours and it was glorious. And then I proceeded to have amazing shows and it did nothing for my career. But, uh, and then yes, I took an 18 hour Greyhound bus back. I, I took a, a, an 8am Greyhound that arrived back in uh, New York city at Port Authority bus terminal at 4am. Cue Welcome to the Jungle or Fallen Angel by Poison. So that was my first experience with the Hampton Inn. And uh, one of my other great experiences with the Hampton Inn was in, at the Albany Funny Bone. They used to use the Hampton Inn. Now there's a hotel on the sort of shopping mall premises. But I have never done this in my life except this one time. The staff from front desk to maid service to, food, to kitchen staff was the most comprehensively competent and polite staff I've ever encountered at a hotel. So I wrote a message to Hampton Inn Corporate and said, um, hi here, it's uh, J.L. Covan, um, comedian. Uh, perhaps you know me from my uh, 4,000 Facebook friends or my 2,200 Twitter followers. But uh, I was, and I just told them how impressed I was. And I don't know if there's any bonus or any kind of accommodation or anything, but I said the entire staff and management should be commended because that means you're hiring good people and you're training those good people well. So that was my experience with Hampton Inn. Fast forward to Sunday. I arrive at Hampton Inn in my old neighborhood and I say, all right, let's go Hampton Inn. You're always good. And we walk in and we're waiting and we're waiting. And about 12 minutes after we're waiting in the lobby with, by the way, no one in front of us, out comes uh, a woman who, um, if I were to describe her, let's just say she very well might have been one of the culprits on my Amtrak trip to Detroit 11 years ago. Um, so there you go, folks. You see how I brought, you see the genius. Do you see how I brought that all together? Um, and she checks us in and, uh, we head up and it's a very tiny room that we get, uh, perfect for, um, perfect for a mental patient or one person, uh, who's meeting a hooker for an hour, but a little tiny for uh, a couple. Now, granted me and the righteous girlfriend, very respectful of each other's spaces and feelings, so, um, you know, we, uh, let's just say, uh, found discreet times during maybe somebody's gone for a walk or somebody's gone for a manicure or somebody uh, has gone to, uh, you know, just do any number of activities in the neighborhood uh, to utilize the facilities. Because I always find bathrooms in hotels to be a peculiar conundrum. It's like saying, hey, guys, want a romantic getaway, but also want to be more physically close to your partner taking a shit than you've ever been even in your own home or studio apartment, then come have a nice night at Hampton Inn where the room's 200 square feet, but the sound and smell of shit linger forever. <laughs> That's not true. 
just to let you know, like the scenario I'm letting you know didn't happen because we're both cognizant of that it could happen. So there's a real mutual respect um, going on. The, 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 there is a it's the it's righteous and respectful. OK, but that is something I'm always thinking about in hotels where I'm like, unless you can afford the presidential suite you're actually sort of in a more uncomfortable place than you are even in like, like even my studio apartment um, back before I became a world famous um, uh, philanthropist and comedian uh, two years ago was uh, had like an, a little alcove, like a little hall, a miniature little hallway so that like the bathroom was like separated by a little, like so much space for such a, a, a relatively small apartment. It was a good sized studio, but still studio. Um, but hotels, it's just like, I, and here's another kicker at the Hampton Inn sliding. This has become like the new shit, the sliding bathroom door. What is that? Give me a door that fucking closes. I don't need a door that replicates a gappy bathroom stall where like, if I'm leaning one way or the other, I can see into the toilet in the bathroom. But this is because I've seen this in a lot of, it's like, uh, we don't use conventional doors. We're using the, we're using state of the art, uh, bathroom, bathroom shitter technology so that there's a half inch gap anywhere you look around the space. That's, that's how we're now doing it. That's how gentlemen's quarterly says we could, we should do hotel bathrooms now. So the point is all disasters were averted. But it was that that was because we were on the same page. We didn't even have to communicate it. We were just on the same page. Um, so that's the setting, a tiny Hampton Inn. Overall, though, fine. Um, uh, you know, not bad enough for me to like for me to to undo my Hampton Inn endorsement. I will gladly go to another Hampton Inn, just probably not that one, just because it's a very tiny one. Um, but the, the price was right. Labor Day weekend, those prices were, were, were very, very cheap, which was, which was good. Um, the only hotel I will never use again is La Quinta Inn um, because one time I had to stay in a La Quinta Inn by an emergency in New Haven, Connecticut. And uh, let me just tell you, I felt like what the La Quinta Inn, if La Quinta Inn corporate had seen that La Quinta Inn, they would have said, uh, we have to remove our brand name from your hotel because it appears you bought a housing project and – simply did the the least amount of work to m turn this into a La Quinta Inn. And I had stayed in many nice La Quinta Inns, but this one was a real disaster. And then the the worst part, you, you when you walk into a hotel lobby in July and there's just a, f a standing fan in the lobby, you're like, this isn't like a regular hotel. I'm sweating and it smells disgusting. And then I made my way up to my hotel room and the air conditioning wasn't on, so it was musty and stank. And then I just said, oh, I'm so tired because I, I had to check in at like 1 a.m. I was because I just missed a train. So I had nowhere to go. So I was like, I'm not just going to sit in an Amtrak station for the next five hours. So turned down my sheets, self-turned down service, and there were blood stains on the sheets. Did I sleep on that bed? Yes, I did, because this is what my comedy career is, folks. It is pain. It is struggle. And it is self-flagellation. Uh, and... I am the I am the Opus Day comedian. That is really who I am when it comes down to this shit. Um, but the blood was dry. Okay, so I didn't feel like I was in any jeopardy of getting any bloodborne illness. It, fe it felt like they were just blood-stained sheets that had been washed, and they just did. They decided, eh, no need to throw these out. Nobody can get AIDS from these sheets anymore. We've washed them. But uh, I simply slept on the. I curled 
very cutely on the side of the sheets that didn't have blood stains and woke up bathed in cum. No, see, just kidding, guys, just kidding. But would it surprise you? I don't know. Um, that's really what I need. That's that's um, my kink. I'm sorry, guys. My my traumatic comedy career. I can only climax when uh, lying in bloody sheets. Um, that is just part of my trauma. And don't kink shame me, okay? Uh, thank you, La Quinta Inn. I discovered something about myself that night, and it's that um, period sex is apparently my thing. So thank you for showing me that you know, through your own uh, horrible uh, hotel ways. All that's a joke. Not afraid of getting very dark. When is he going to talk about the U.S. Open? I thought this was going to be a tennis podcast. It is. So get out of the uh, La Quinta, the we get out of the Hampton Inn on uh, Sunday evening. We head on over to the U.S. Open. It's cloudy but it's not really raining. So it was actually pretty cool. Scared off a lot of people. And then we went to our first match. Oh, but on the way on the train ride in that first night, we were sitting across from a couple. They looked very Republican from out of town. He was like, you know, like a six foot three. Um, I, you know, honestly, if I had this, look him up. I, it, it could have easily been Tommy Tuberville. Like that's who he reminded me of the former Auburn football coach turned foghorn leghorn senator from uh, Alabama. Um, he was, uh, that's who it could have been. Tommy Tuberville with his wife, with his tall Southern wife, but they were, they were sitting there. She had her mask on. He was sitting there with his polo shirt tucked into his khaki shorts with a hat, a jacket tied around his waist. Um, just a classic, I'm a, I'm an, I'm a 60 year old, um, somewhat wealthy white man relaxing. That was like, he had the outfit. He had the, um, Republican AARP gentleman's quarterly look down to a T and he had a baked good from someplace. And he's the only one in the train car, including his wife, uh, or girlfriend. He could, could have been, I, I didn't see wedding rings. So it could be his, like, uh, his Camilla Parker bowls. And they were sitting there. Everybody had a mask on in the car except for this guy. And then he starts eating his cake. And I, I just looked at him. I was like, you piece of shit, you know? And then we moved seats because um, we're not above being indignant about people not following the rules. And then uh, then the train, can, you know, the automatic announcement came on a few stops later, which was like, please, everyone riding the New York subway is required to wear a face mask. Please protect yourself and others. And then I looked over and you know what? Like a stop later, he had a face mask on. And I said, you know what, Jail, this is why I'm, I try to be conflict, conflict averse. Um, because I'm the type of person that will hold the door for like seven people and none of them will say thank you. And I'll slam it on the eighth person, just like fucking pe- and And they'll be like mid thank you when they get hit in the face with the door. And I just stopped doing it. I was just like, sometimes you got to take the L in life because there will be a good person that you don't want to hurt. But it, you know, that, that, that was my M.O. for a while. They, uh, hold the door. <laughs> yeah, well, fuck all of you. Oh, woof. Thank you. So, so because of that seventh person walking through the door who may have manners, I tend to like not get as amped up as I used to over things like that. 
And I thought to myself, I was like, I could have said to this guy, put your fucking mask on. I know you're a fucking Republican scumbag just from looking at you. But then the fact that he put the mask on after the announcement was made on the train made me wonder, did he think it was optional? And then when he heard that it wasn't, he just obeyed the rules. And I said, you know what? I'm glad I didn't say anything because I would have probably said it in a cunty way. And he uh, may have very well just thought it was optional. And when he learned that it wasn't, he obeyed. So um, I felt like that was a good sign that put me in like a hopeful mood for the tournament. So we go to the U.S. Open and we're there. We're walking around the grounds. It's beautiful, even though it's cloudy. It's just a great sporting event. If you like parks, sports, or even a casual tennis fan, it's a, it's a truly great, great event that I think any sports fan should go to, unless you really are just like, I have no interest in tennis whatsoever in any way. Um, but I have my, uh, my Pat LaFrieda burger, which I have every year, and they never fail to, I never fail to enjoy them. The prime burger, at the prime burger station in like the sort of outdoor food court area. Um, I get a honey, uh, a frozen honeydeuce, the signature cocktail of the U.S. Open. Well, it's the honeydews, but a couple of years ago they introduced the funny honey, frozen honeydews, and they are fucking delicious. Um, and I got a little, just a little buzz because I haven't been drinking a lot at all in the last year and a half, and it was just a nice, pleasant buzz. And I stopped there. I didn't get a second one. I just said, I'm good. I'm feeling good. So we went and we watched Francis Tiafo, uh, African-American tennis player, 23 years old, from Maryland. He was he we saw him two nights earlier playing till like 2 a.m. in an electrifying upset over this Russian douche and Roosh. Can we assume we shorten that to Roosh? But he, he beat him and he's just a, he's 23 years old, uh, powerful player, but with pretty good agility and just and, and you're watching matches like this. and You're going how like he was playing some Canadian young phenom also. And it was a great match. Tiafo lost in four sets, which you we were disappointed, but it was just a very good match. And, uh, you know, obviously the American crowd very pumped up, but there were a lot of Canadians there rooting for the Canadian guy that was uh, playing him, which we were all like, shut the fuck up, go back to your country, you pieces of shit. You know, real classy sort of all's fair in sports kind of attitude. And um, but it, it was exciting. And then the next night we go back. So so we come back to the, to the, to the city that night Um go to sleep and then wake up the next morning and I went to see my uh, my old building, hung out with my, my old doorman for a few minutes, which was pleasant. Then we had breakfast at my old diner. And then I went to read in my old Starbucks. You know, I was that's, that's my kind of tourism. How can I turn back the clock um, and just be uh, living the most mundane, boring existence, but, you know, in my old neighborhood? So I read for a little bit in my Starbucks and then I walked uh, back to the hotel saw that my the righteous girlfriend was still getting a manicure. So I said, I think I've got time to wreck shop at the Hampton Inn. So uh, did that. And then, no, not really. And uh, the then we went to Patsy's for lunch. So I blew up my calorie counter um, the last two days. Not as bad last night. Well, no, actually, yes, bad. Um, but yeah. I'm back. I'm back eating healthy, but I had a a, a 36 hour uh, break from from minding all my calories and shit. But had a delicious pizza from Patsy's um, with some salad, and then uh, we went back to the U.S. Open 
folks. No, actually, I'm sorry. I took a two-hour nap because I was like, I shouldn't have eaten that much pizza. I took a two-hour nap. Not really a nap. Just I sort of lay on the bed and annoyed the righteous girlfriend for two hours. That's how I nap. Um, when I see six guys stabbing a guy in, in the middle of Central – when I see six guys in togas stabbing a guy in the middle of Central Park, I shoot the bastards. That's my policy. That was – those were actors and it was a Shakespeare in the Park version of – Julius Caesar, you idiot. That's a rough, a rough but fairly accurate uh, quoting of The Naked Gun. Uh, what, a, what, a, what a great movie. R.I.P. Um, Leslie Nielsen. And also R.I.P. Michael K. Williams, who as I was headed to the U.S. Open for day two to see Novak, is Novak going to have to Djokovic? Um, Michael K. Williams, most famously uh, Omar from The Wire, passed away. Uh, some sort of, uh, I believe it was a heroin-related drug overdose. Uh, if if I'm, I haven't yet read the articles, I just that's what was going around social media. Um, tragic loss. Uh, iconic character, uh, great actor, and very sad to see because you know addiction is one of those things. Like at least people who listen to the Righteous Prick know. Nope, I'm pretty sure I know every one of JL's problems. We, he will not, if JL gets addicted to heroin, I'm pretty sure we're going to hear about it in a 90-minute episode featuring Ron Reagan Jr. and somehow 45 minutes complaining about comedy. But a uh, very sad loss, um, very shocking, just a, a very shocking, you know, because you just kind of think, ah, 54, you're working, you know word of any health issues, but, you know, shit. Um, people have problems, man, but, but very sad loss. Uh, so we make it to the U S open for day two. Like I said, it's uh, Djokovic. And, uh, by the way, uh, for all of you who hopefully follow, you know, subscribe to my YouTube channels, um, I filmed at the on location at the U S open, a very funny Andrew Cuomo video and a Trump video that I actually broke a very rare thing, but it was so good. I I'm only going to post the one where I slightly break. Um, God, it was, it was like, I wanted to redo it, but I couldn't capture it as perfectly. So I just, I'm going to post basically later today, I will post my Andrew Cuomo at the U S open video tomorrow. That's Wednesday. I will post the, uh, Donald Trump at the U S open video, which is quite funny. They're both really funny. The Trump one though broke me. And then uh, Thursday, I think, will be my, um, my Andrew Cuomo Raycon ad for Making Podcasts Great Again. So lots of fun stuff. Humor, content, and selling out. You can only get them on my platforms this week, folks. But uh, Djokovic uh, was playing Jensen Brooksby, um, which sounds like a, a name that the Wayans brothers would make up for a movie uh, indicating that the person is the most evil white person ever. Jensen Brooksby. But let me tell you something. This 20-year-old American fella sure can fucking play tennis. It was a great match. He was, you know, I was saying to the righteous girlfriend, I was saying, Djokovic, you, you see these guys play amazingly, and then you're like, but to beat Djokovic, you have to play the game of your life and hope it's good enough to beat him. And he looked all he looked all sorts of ready to take on Djokovic. He won the first set six one, but like just like Tiafo, um, power, good agility for a for a larger player, 
Um, and also very, you know what, as somebody who has lamented the this fucking disaster that is American men's tennis over the last 15 years, uh, you know, we're closing in on 20 years since Andy Roddick won the U.S. Open. Um, this is a American tennis. We're talking Jimmy Connors, John McEnroe, Jim Courier, Michael Chang, Pete Sampras, Andre Agassi, like a, lo- a lineage of, of elite Hall of Fame talent and then just nothing. But I'm telling you, Tiafo and uh, and and uh, um, what the fuck is his name? White White Bread uh, Wonder, <laughs> Jensen Brooksby. Hi, I'm here. My father made a reservation for me. Uh, my name's Jensen Brooksby, and uh, uh, <laughs> Jensen Brooksby sounds like somebody who wouldn't watch The Crown because it's too black. <laughs> Um, you know, the crown makes me think of Crown Royal, which is uh, traditionally drank by African Americans. So I'll be passing on the crown, thank you. Downton Abbey for me, thank you. I am Jensen Brooksby. Does anybody know where my father is? He was supposed to make a reservation for me. Uh, <laughs> but Jensen Brooksby is no fucking joke. Um, but. Djokovic eventually won just just sort of like an it was like he kind of overwhelmed him it was like young fella you're not you don't have what it takes to stay with me for five sets but great match um both nights we left before the women played um you know it's called Taliban style of watching the U.S. Open (laughs) um but uh, the one thing from last night, if you follow me on Instagram, and you all should, J.L. Covan. I, honestly, let's let's cut the bullshit. This is like my my you're you're my SEAL Team Six of comedy fans. If you listen to this podcast, you should be following me on every platform you can. It just it helps and it makes sure that people don't miss my shit. But um, a, a woman was sitting next to us, um, and she had a golden retriever. <laughs> Look at that! My dog allergy just. Just, just through saying golden retriever, I had to sneeze. But um, she's sitting there with her golden retriever and doesn't have any kind of service uh, sort of – she's not blind. She had like light eyes and I was I kind of looked at her. I didn't want to get caught like I was staring at her. But I was like, hey, are you blind? No, she wasn't blind. And the dog was not a service animal. It was just sitting there, which I think is how, – how can you torture a golden retriever by making him sit patiently while somebody hits tennis balls around? It felt cruel. But um, cruel summer. But uh, then uh, towards the end of the first set of Djokovic, Jensen Brooksby, uh, four uh, Asian folk show up and say to her, hi, uh, those are our seats. And she said, oh, and she then moved to a more nosebleed section. She, she, she was trying to upgrade. She was trying to level up um, with that white woman power. Uh, she, and then she just walked up with her dog and she was sitting in like the middle of a row. So, so there were some fans up there who had to be like, um, yeah, we're, we're sitting uh, with this dog next to us in the middle of a row. Now, it's not the dog's fault and the dog was very well behaved. But, um, you know, after watching Karen this week, and by the way, uh, Bo Burnham special, the new Bo Burnham special for me is the Rick James documentary. 
Um, I am pretty sure I'm going to watch that again. I, I downloaded Street Songs, which is funny because that's like sort of his iconic album or his biggest album from 1981. I remember we had Street Songs in my apartment, big vinyl. I got to go through my mom's vinyl collection. Maybe there's like a fucking treasure trove of shit there. But she, we had the fucking vinyl, and I always thought it was funny. I was like, look at Rick James. <laughs> like, this is me at like six. Look at him. <laughs> He's wearing like women's boots and he has this long hair and there's those funny women in the background who are dressed very scantily. I didn't say scantily, but that, that's, that's how a six-year-old looks at an album cover featuring um, Rick James and women who are dressed like streetwalkers. But I got that album after watching uh, on iTunes, after watching the documentary, and boy, am I enjoying the shit out of it. Um, but that documentary, Rick James uh, Bitchin' is, I think, the name of the documentary on Showtime. Uh... That is, that's, that's going to probably make a top 10 list for me at the end of the year, along with Bo Burnham inside. So that's, that tells you all you need to know about J.L. Covan. Uh, what were your two favorite movies this year or specials? Oh, Bo Burnham inside and bitchin' the Rick James story. <laughs> can we get a, can we get a hologram of Rick James at the next Bo Burnham show? That's really the content I'm looking for. Um, but yeah, I, the Rick James documentary is definitely going to be watched again, so can't recommend it highly enough. Uh, but, um, yeah, but this woman was sitting there with her dog and then had to move. And I was just like, I don't know if there's – I don't know how many examples – oh, right. I brought up movies because I also watched Karen, the worst movie ever made. So I'll be reviewing that Wednesday night with Rod of the Black Eye Tips and Chris Lamberth of the uh, – mundane festival podcast that should be i will be sharing that on all social media platforms should be a fun conversation but i was thinking about karen and this woman was obviously there was nothing racist about what she was doing uh in fact she was sitting with a, a black woman uh because she trusts black women just like i do and but i thought is there anything more white woman than showing up to the u.s open and somehow lying or blowing your way into bringing a golden retriever into a stadium where you're definitely not allowed to have it. And then you don't sit there and go, Oh my God, I got goalie into the U S open. We're sitting here with Goldie. I can't believe he's just sitting here watching the tennis balls. I'm so happy. Um, not good enough. I think I'm going to take some other people's seats. I'm going to try and upgrade me and Goldie so that we're in better seats. Okay? That's right. I am 100% that bitch. And then you get booted out and then you just interrupt somebody else farther. Like imagine if you weren't a dog person. You're like, man, these fucking seats suck, but like they're still like 120 bucks. So fuck, I, this is the best I can do. Uh, I, I like tennis. Let's enjoy some tennis. What the fuck is this? Why is there a golden retriever? shaking its tail right next to me. What is going on? Um, so that was the first part of the Djokovic match. And then Lin-Manuel Miranda was shown on camera. And I couldn't stop laughing. I was trying to do freestyles. I was like, he was there with his wife. They were like, Lin-Manuel Miranda. And then they cut to the woman next to him. And it was like something Nadal. Like her last name was Nadal. And I was like, oh, shit. Is he sitting with like Rafa Nadal's sister or something? Because I'm like, if you're at a tennis match and some chick is like repping herself as Nadal, you're like, oh, shit. Is that like, is he friends with the Nadal family? Do all Spanish-speaking people hang out? Do all hundred millionaire Spanish people just chill together on, on some island where they say things like Barcelona? 
And then we looked it up, and it was uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda's wife. And I'm sorry. I know we're in the age of uh, she has a name. She's not just blah, blah, blah. But when you're married to Lin-Manuel Miranda, you're Lin-Manuel, Mar- Mar- Lin-Manuel Miranda's wife. I don't mean that like in your professional life or something. But on the Jumbotron, bitch, it should just be Mr. and Mrs. Lin-Manuel Miranda. Okay? <coughs> You're entitled to have whatever business card you want, ma'am. But when I see, and the worst thing is, you show up to a tennis event, and your last name is Nadal, and you think I'm supposed to think of something other than a successful man, you're either married to the king of Broadway or the king of clay, as far as I'm concerned. I don't care what you do in your day job. You are Mrs. Lin-Manuel Miranda, or you are Mrs. Rafa Nadal. End of story. So that when that mystery was solved, I then started to try and think of funny raps because I basically I'm sitting, you know, the 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 in the heights. And by the way, uh, I was born in Washington Heights at Columbia Presbyterian. And uh, but when I auditioned for um, in the heights, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda told me I was too dark skinned. So. (laughs) So. I just sat there just thinking of like, I'm sitting here at center court in the VIP. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then just thinking of his, of his wife going, I don't even like tennis. What am I doing here? They told me I could never sit center court being a barrique from the Bronx. They said, get lost. That doesn't even rhyme, but that's okay. Nobody knows that I'm not Rafa Nadal's sister. I'm just Lynn's wife, but I made the professional choice to keep my name. But even Melinda Gates changed her name to Gates. There's a golden retriever sitting over here. They let <laughs> what what would be what would be some good rhymes about the golden I don't know. I don't know what would be good. But but you, you get where I'm where I'm headed. I had a really good rhyme that I planned out and now I'm choking. Like I had it in my head and then I just choked and I can't think of it anymore. But you get the point. I wanted to do Lin-Manuel Miranda presents the US Open. I'm sitting here eat, drinking a honey deuce and I'm sitting next to my sister and she's getting loose because she's pissed that nobody knows that she's her own woman. Oh, no, it's not his sister. I see. I'm already forgetting. It's his wife, his wife. He was there with his wife, folks. I'm here with my wife who knew that we would have this kind of life. But then I look across, there's a golden retriever sitting in the same seats as me. Is this how we treat the Latino community? We need to be elevated above the canines. But instead, the dog's sitting in section 309. Technically, it was 308. But you can allow me the artistic license of rhyming nine in there, right? Why won't they say on the Jumbotron what I do? Now they just think I'm Rafa Nadal's sister hanging out with the guy who wrote Hamilton. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, Djokovic wins. Great match. Great pair of nights at the the U.S. Open. Um, We head back into the city. Uh, I buy an Entenmann's cookie and a gla- and a milk from the CVS near the hotel, and yes, that was a violation. But guess what happened? A miracle. I then slept seven straight hours. 
the first time I've done that in I don't know how long. And it makes you wonder, is it being in the old neighborhood? Is it being in the warm bosom of the Hampton Inn that's treated me so kindly in years past? Was it simply having some of that sweet, delicious Entenmann's pumping into my veins, chasing the Entenmann's dragon? And uh, was it that that just allowed me to go, oh. Whatever the case was, I had a good night's sleep last night. Made it back here to Bloomfield, New Jersey. And uh, I think that's your, uh, that's your U.S. Open recap. I'm trying to think if there was anything else um, going on. Bought a bunch of – bought some souvenirs, bought a lot of food. Um, it's just a beautiful event and I'm glad. I always try to go the Labor Day weekend because then you're down to the sweet – to the round of 16. So you're almost guaranteed to see some quality matches. Um, but great time. Uh, I'm reading – I'm about 100 pages into the Jimmy Connors biography. Um, just, you know, I figured I'd read a, a – a, tennis-themed book during the U.S. Open. Um, so far, it's, it's interesting. He's obviously somebody, an impactful power person in the sport. Um, it's just hard. It's hard to measure up after you've read Andre Agassi's biography, which autobiography, which is just, you know, you know, like one of my 25 favorite books, period. It was just so good. Like there's two books on my like 25 favorite books ever that are just don't fit. One is Open by Andre Agassi, and the other is The Dirt by Motley Crue. Um, I read The Dirt after a long time because all the people who ever recommended it to me were like kind of scumbags. And I was like, yeah, right, I'm sure they talk about sucking dick and fucking like big tits and rock and roll heroin, bro. And then uh, by, the <laughs> by the time you get to the, the end of it, I was like, this was a genius creation. And I didn't mind the Netflix movie. I wish the Netflix movie had just been like a bigger release. Like, you know, just like The Irishman. These are like good movies that just sort of disappear into the fucking cloud volume of Netflix. But but The Dirt was not a bad movie, but the book was phenomenal. It's written by like they have each member write different chapters. So there's like overlap and some inconsistencies or different – it was just a – it was so good and so raw and like if you come off finishing the book, you're like, mm, I think Nikki Six is and Tommy Lee are definitely rapists. So that's like the downside of it. But at the same time, uh, it's as a book, it is incredible, I thought. And it's like one of those things where I'm just like, yeah, I didn't expect to, to really love this book the way I did. I read it based on like so many recommendations. But uh, yeah. Open and The Dirt are two books that, like, if you want some, like, end-of-summer fun but actually, like, really engrossing creative writing, like, recommend them both. Light, light for that last trip to the beach or whatever the fuck you do, listeners. Um, so I think that's it. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything else. Uh, no, I think that's it. Uh, so that was the U.S. Open. It's a great event. Uh, I had a great time, as always. Um, and managed to, uh, you know, sneak into one of the stadiums and go up into the rafters and film Cuomo and Trump videos. Uh, yes, and I had to get that high because I needed to see that uh, for Trump that I was in front of Arthur Ashe Stadium. And therein began the jokes and the thing that cracked me up. So look for that stuff. Hopefully you're subscribed to me on all platforms. Uh, I'm not going to make any money pitches. Just Just subscribe to all the free stuff, folks. Uh, support me by clicking subscribe on like uh, my other podcasts on my uh, social media platforms. All of it appreciated. So if you like what I do, just you know, let's do that, right? And happy uh, high holidays to my Jewish listeners. And um, 
yeah, just this month, one big show coming up, and it is fucking huge. Uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Helium Comedy Club, September 26th, 7 p.m. Hope to see many of you, all of you, some of you there. Uh, but have a great week. Hope you enjoyed getting two episodes this week. Thank you, as always, for your support, for your ears. And I will see you next Tuesday. Ah!